0: I think about uh, some of the worst seats I've ever had. I don't know if you've ever had bad seats before, but I've had some really, really bad seats. It goes back to my childhood. Uh, my dad planned a trip for us uh, to St. Louis when I was a kid, one of the few family vacations we, we had. And uh, as we went on family vacation, we thought it'd be a great idea, one of us. I don't know who. None of us are huge baseball fans at the time, but it thought it'd be a great idea to go see the Cardinals play. So the Cardinals were playing the Dodgers. This is back in the day uh, date me a little bit Eddie Murray Ozzie Smith those kind of guys so we we're really excited about that so the tickets that my dad got my dad had spent the least amount of money possible on tickets all right and not for this game but for everything all right but the least amount of money possible on tickets and I remember we walked in at ground level and walked up for like an hour, hour and a half. I mean, we got up to so high. But what was great about it was, and you think about just depth perception, those kind of things, we were not directly behind home plate, but we were like up here behind home plate. So every foul ball, I went crazy. Home run! You know, it just, it just went nowhere because we couldn't tell, and all the players looked like they were about this big. You know, they're just about that big from where we were sitting. Some of the worst seats imaginable go to a hot dog stand. Hot dog vendor would literally, I remember as a kid, I would say, hot dog vendor, that's pretty cool, he's going to bring me a hot dog. That dude's not walking all the way up there. All right, where we were sitting, he walked, there was two decks below us, and we would see him just handing out hot dogs there, and then he would just stop. He'd turn around and walk back. Those were bad seats, bad seats. Other thing I think about is this, uh, probably the worst seats I've ever had. True story, all right? Not hating, I'm just telling you a true story. Worst seats I've ever had. I, was roped in, uh, I had an opportunity to chaperone an FCA day at Mississippi State University, all right? So they, for FCA, they invited all the FCAs to come and see the football game. It was playing Oklahoma State, I believe. And this is, I know they've renovated the stadium since then, but our seats were the Oklahoma State end zone, all right? And in the corner of the Oklahoma State zone, we were all the way over here up against the rail, and it was the aluminum seat. Now, what's really cool about that was that it was snowing horizontally that day that we were there. And you know what snow, especially when it's horizontal, what it does when you're sitting on an aluminum seat is wonderful. It's a wonderful concept for you. But what made it even better that day, and it wasn't about the football game, best football game i probably ever, ever have heard on the radio, but, but the, the concept there... They had, for FCA Day, they had high school band emphasis. So all the high school bands that had been invited to play along at certain times were sitting beside us. Yeah, those were bad seats, all right? Snow sent us in the face, and then anything past 50-yard line, anything going past 50-yard line was about where the shell station was, right? So it was, we were looking down there, and it was like, did they score? No, 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 that's the 35-yard line. We had no idea because it was so far away, and also the snow's coming in this way, and the bands are playing I don't know what. If you can't get jaws right, guys, just drop out of band, all right? Take up a sport, all right? So there were bad seats for that. And I think about those bad seats, and what and I've actually had people tell me this before. Well, at least you were there. I mean, at least you were there. At least you were in the stadium. You couldn't see what was going on. You had no idea what the score was. You had no idea what the concept was. You were freezing to death. You were deaf in one ear, but at least you were there. You had that experience of gathering together in that place with all those people dressed in maroon, you know, in that case. There's a lot of, a lot of idea there. And what I would think about with this, when I look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the text that we're marinating on this morning, I think about a simple concept for us. We, I'm afraid, have become convinced that being at church in a worship service is all there is. And I would submit to you just this idea this morning. There is a difference between God being present and God being close. Now, I want you to think about that. There's a difference between us being in a place where we would definitely say, theologically speaking, if we want to get theological here, we're going to say this. The Scripture tells us that as a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within your spirit, within your life. And that's exciting. And that means this, that when the Spirit of God dwells inside of the believer, that when all believers gather together in a moment like this, then there's a whole lot of the Holy Spirit present He's here. He's here. So when we go and we gather together for worship, what we typically would say is this, well, you know, I didn't really feel it this morning, but I know that God was there. And we say it about like that. But here's the concept that I would submit to you. As you read through Scripture, there's a strong argument that God does not long, does not seek, to simply be present among us. No, 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 no. But the idea goes a little bit further than that. You see, my, uh, my dad growing up, my dad, uh, Mississippi Highway Patrolman, all right? And what I saw about Mississippi Highway Patrolman is this, learned firsthand, especially Ole Miss football games. There's a, there was, back in the day, there was a special seating that was provided for Mississippi Highway Patrolman families who had tickets, all right? don't know if they still do that or not. But we went to some games, and those are pretty, you know, around 35-yard line, if I remember correctly, and it was, you know, not really close. But also what I understand is this. There are some patrolmen who are assigned the responsibility of working the gates, right? And I know I've had family members before, without naming names, but had family members before that would volunteer and say, oh, this egg bowl, I'll I'll be glad to work the gate, because there are some highway patrolmen that would have that privilege, and they'd be able to stand down there, on the sideline amidst the players. And they get to stand, some of them close to the coaches and those kind of things. And what we see that's just really awesome here is this can you see there's a difference between me sitting right up here on an aluminum bleacher in the snow and then me being right there on the sideline in the midst of it? Can I tell you, God is definitely, we would say, I'm sure He's glad that we're here. But if there's a purpose, in everything that he does, do you sense that it's his goal just to be present among us? Or based on what we see in Jesus being manifest, being revealed among us, do you think that there's actually this idea with God that he's wanting to draw closer to us, that he actually is making himself available not for us just to kind of come near the foot of the mountain, as in Exodus 19 indicates? But what Jesus Christ has done for you and I is this, is as he said, come on close. Come on close. And we see this in James 4.8, actually, the scripture, James articulates this for us. And he says this, draw near to God, and he then will draw near to you. You get that invitation? That's not... Come sit in the nosebleeds where you can't even tell what's going on. That's not just be present, but that's be close, be connected, be in intimacy with God the Father. What if he's inviting us today, and he says, not just today, but every time we gather together, I want this moment. And in this moment, I want it because of this. I want to speak divine wisdom into your life. You say, well, I show up sometimes and I I don't like the temperature and I don't like the seating and I don't like the 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 lighting and I don't like the 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 music, the songs they pick out, and I don't like the sermon, and I don't like the pastor, that's for sure, not anymore. And And I and I don't like how they closed out the service, right? Yes, yes, that's that's definitely options for you. But did you get this idea? What if the purpose in meeting together is not about us getting A certain environment or a certain feel but what if our goal is an invitation to be close to God so that God could speak and reveal to us in this setting something that would change our lives forever could that possibly be in order for us to enter into that can I tell you it's more than showing up so here we go here's the pitch yeah here's the pitch you ready I know what it's like to show up and not show up at the same time. To show up and to say, hey, I just, I, I'm just here, and I'm going to get this done, and I'm going to get on to something else. I get that. I know what that's like. I wrestle with that. So how do we get to this point where if God's actually calling us, summoning us closer to Him, and He's saying, I want to meet with you during this time so that I can reveal a divine truth that would change your life for eternity, perhaps even. How do we get to this point where we can receive that? It's not just so much. Can I submit this? All right, and work with me here. All right? I know it's, it's going to be a lot of emails coming my way after this, but let's try it. You ready? There's definitely in worship... Trying to geographically locate where God is. And we say, well, God I just wasn't in service today. I get that. I get that. But can I submit to you that relationally speaking, in a relationship, where are you? Where are you? If God is calling us to come into this place, you say, I'm here. Are you? because there's a difference between being physically present and being fully present. Are you with that? It's a good response right there. That was a great a great example, all right? Here's the idea. How do we get to the point where we look at where we are in worship? This is the observations of the preacher in Ecclesiastes 5. He's been watching all of the worship, we would understand, all of the gathering of God's people together, and he has been making notes. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes has been about for us, the first four chapters. He's watching how all of life operates, and it seems like in Ecclesiastes 5 that he's taking some notes to say, hey, sometimes we just come in quickly, we do a lot of stuff, a lot of Business and we say a lot of words and then we run right out after making false commitments to God that we never plan on keeping. And he says, Hey, what if we're missing the invitation to closeness with God? So there's two things that I point out to you here, and we'll walk through these, I hope, quickly. There's two biblical techniques that he he points out, all right? Technique number one is this as we're preparing to meet with God. Can I invite you to always use the technique of consideration? Consideration. Consideration means very simply this we need to engage and be present mentally in worship. This is where Jesus actually is talking about love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what I brought in my heart. With all your soul. Yeah, I got that with me. That's with my heart. That's good. With all your. Why does he throw in the mind there? You see, worship is not an invitation for you and I to continue thinking like we are in the habit of thinking throughout the week. Can I invite you? You want to talk about just a sales pitch to you. This is the one environment, the one opportunity where I can encourage you to have this freedom to just stop worrying about the things that you couldn't fix on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Because I can promise you, you're not going to fix it on Sunday morning in here. But instead, our invitation is this, is that if you bring consideration, you mentally begin to consider a few ideas about who God is. You mentally begin to consider a few then ideas about Who you are. And so there's a couple of questions that pop up. You see these. It says this. One, we would consider this. Is God actually present in this place right now? Now there's the quick knee-jerk reaction. Well, he's present anywhere. I get that. But I want to invite you to understand and consider this concept. If he is calling us to come here today. And if He has invited us here and everything He does is intentional, then would you consider this idea that in this room, when we're gathered together, there is the alive, working presence of God here, now. Have you considered that this is more than an opportunity for you to catch up on some balance in the checkbook? Not that you guys would do that or that I've ever had anybody do. Yeah, I have. Here's the concept for us. This is an opportunity for you to consider what if God's here? And what if he wants to speak to you? So the second question that you'll see there is this. It's not so much just, is God here? But now the author of Ecclesiastes presents this idea. What is it? That makes God happy. What is it that makes God happy? So our action, then, in order to answer these questions, He says, "Listen." Now, Jesus uses a different versions of this word in the Greek, all right. And so we'll say this in the Hebrew. There's definitely a difference, husbands, between you hearing and you listening. Can I get a witness? I heard exactly what you said. And who was it? It was one of you, I think, that posted this week. Something to the effect of, it's a weird way for my wife to start a conversation to say, are you listening? That's a weird way for her to start a conversation. That kind of implies that perhaps there was something before that, but I don't think there was, right? So the concept here is the preacher says, listen. When you enter into the gathering place, the house of God. Listen, watch. Scripture says, this is Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Think about these things. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. What does that tell us? That says that we, and and, and I've had that used before, by the way, where uh, I had some ladies in in my church going up to say, see, don't you be running in the house of the Lord. Wait, wait, okay. That's not exactly what this is talking about. But it's saying that we enter intentionally with consideration into the house of the Lord. What if God is present here? And what if there is something that displeases Him and also something that makes Him happy? Guard your steps when you go into the house of of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. That's a weird expression, wouldn't you say? As I read that, I'm going, what in the world is the sacrifice of fools? I've not heard that pop up anyplace else, so I'm not really sure I know what the sacrifice of fools is. But he goes on. He says the sacrifice of fools then is that they do not know that they are doing what they're doing is evil. So, so Christian, let me pre- present this idea to you. It is possible for you to be present physically here and do something that is evil in your presence here. So I thought I was protected. No, the Scripture indicates here that you can offer, maybe accidentally, the sacrifice of fools. And whatever that is, can I tell you this, it's it's saying that's involved with us not guarding our steps and entering intentionally in, and that's kind of tied to this idea that when I come into the house of the Lord, I'm, I'm flippant, and I'm not ready to listen. I'm not ready to listen. Hearing is, you said it, I received it, right? Listening is, you said it, I received it, and now I'm going to be transformed by it and move to action. What's our instruction? He says, enter into the house of the Lord, because God very likely could speak to you. And you know what makes God happy? When He speaks if we would actually respond with obedience. So if I'm understanding the text, the preacher is telling us that he has observed in gatherings of believers to worship that there have been believers, this is geared towards believers, who gather together in the presence of God God then speaks and reveals himself to them, and says, "This is my best for you. This is what I want for your life, so that you can live in the center of pleasing me and having a harmonious life as I intend. and the sacrifice of fools tends to be we walk away from that. And say, "No thanks." I'm good. I'm good." He said, "Well, God wants me to reconcile my brother." And I say, "I heard you." but not till they come to me first. God wants me to forsake my sin, and he reveals in a context like this, he wants to draw close, and he won't draw close to us. Now, now hear me. It's not because we're sinners, but he won't draw close to us sometimes when we have open sin that we refuse to confess. He says, I just can't. I, I, I can't tell you something new when you've not been obedient with the old thing that I said. So the Scripture tells us here, if you're reading with me, he says, verse 2, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. So I think that we can make maybe a parallel here, an interpretation here of this, is that when the praise team is singing, You definitely have the option, congregation, as I'm joining with you as a participant. There's definitely the option for you to open your mouth and sound to come out. And that's not worship. That's not worship. It's likely that when we open our mouths and the sound comes out, if we're not considering what we're saying and who we're saying it to, that we're offering to God something that displeases Him. God, I confess to you. All that I am is yours. Nah, no, I'm just kidding. That's a sacrifice of fools. To say to God, you're present in this place. I recognize that you're in here. I recognize that there are certain things that you're going to speak to me and call me to do, and then you're going to invite me to listen with obedience and me to say, No, pass. And that's why, church, I'm concerned that we leave gathered worship so many times and we say, I didn't feel anything. I didn't sense God at all. Can I tell you that when I'm not sensing God, sometimes that's not because God's presence is broken. But sometimes that's because I came in and I'm carrying with me all kinds of stuff that are not about listening to God. So we're going to install for us here. Y'all ever seen the metal detectors that go at the doors? You say, I don't like where this is going. We're going to put here over each door. And we would say, as you come in, feel free to leave all your junk right there. And just allow that to be where the altar begins, where we can say, I'm going to enter into this place with a hope that I won't be distracted with a hope that I won't have something else more valuable on my mind than God and Him speaking to me, Him meeting with us, and Him changing my life for His good forever. He goes on, and He gives the second thing, all right? So if you see verse 4 is where we'll pick up, but there's a technique number 2. He does talk about commitment. He does talk about commitment. And so what I want to do is I want to give you specifically from the Scripture the instructions not separate from worship, but your commitment as a response to worship. You see how verses 1 through 3, they're not chopped up from verses 4 through 7. But there's a flow in this idea of what the preacher is saying. So he talks about commitment, and he asks these questions. Let me give it to you real quick, and then we'll look at the Scripture. Questions are this, what gift did I bring to God? I came here today to worship. Worship, by definition, is a heart sacrifice. Worship, by definition, is a heart sacrifice. So therefore, I am worshiping. Now, hey, I'm worshiping not when I'm doing anything. No, 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 that's not worship. Because definitely you would see, I could be doing sin, and that's not worship, Right? So, the concept of what worship, biblical worship, is, is that you and I make a sacrifice before God. It's an intentional, considerate action where I say, I commit this to God. That's worship sacrifice. All right? So, we ask this question what gift did I bring to God? And then also, it does matter, we'll see in the text how did you bring your gift? So when you come and you say, I know that God wants this and he can pry it out of my hand. Yeah. Well, is that a heart sacrifice or is that a legalistic obligation? You see, sacrifice, when it's a worship sacrifice, it's something that we want God to have. And we want him to have it in such a way that would please him and would make him happy. And so many times, and this has been shared with me before, I had a a pastor friend, I've shared this, I think, with the church before. So many times what we do in worship, and we have what we call an altar call, is that we come forward and we say, well, God, I know that you want this. And so I kneel here to say, God, I know that you want this sacrifice for me. You've spoken in this service and you, you've told me to lay this down. And so now, God, as I lay that down, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to start doing this better and start doing this better and start doing this better and start doing this better. And doing this better and I'm going to stop doing this. You know, you didn't lay anything down. When did the laying down happen? When did the laying down happen? God, I know that you've spoken to me and you want me to surrender this thing that's claimed my heart and want to break ties from it. And so now, let me tell you, I'm going to wake up at 6.30 instead of 7. And I'm going to begin doing this and this. That's you and your strength. Can I invite you? What worship does for us is this. God is calling us to come close to him so that we would make a commitment to let him be our God. Now let him be our God. So that does involve a couple of things. He says, first, our action is that we have to, this is the verb, pay. We have to pay. And I'm so overjoyed. This is the one time in Scripture I know that I can preach on paying without asking you for money. All right, so here we go. The word that he uses in verses 4 through 7 is the word pay. Watch this. Verse 4, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. So when do you pay it? Quickly. Quickly. God, I promise you that six years from now, I'm gonna reconcile with that person that's offended me. And if I'm not reconciled by then, if they're still alive and I'm still alive, then we might have a cup of cup. No, 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 wait a second. Responding to God is something that requires. Yeah. He so, said, Well, as soon as I can <clears throat> let me contemplate how much this will cost, and let me contemplate what I'll have to stop and how this is going to impact everybody. Worship to God is something when we say, God, here's my vow, and here is me ready now to pay it. You see, the thing that trips us up in meeting with God is that we don't want to let go. We don't want to surrender, but we want to give it some time. Verse 4, he says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay paying it. So pay quickly, for he has no pleasure in fools. What's the sacrifice of fools? Sacrifice of fools very likely is something that we say, hey, God, I'm going to do that later, much, much later. But I am going to do it. Got good intentions, God. Much later, I'm going to do it. Verse 5, he says this, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So that involves sincerity. And it says that as we vow to God something, that we should do it sincerely. So I've been asked, and we've had a conversation. uh, Last week, you guys made um, uh, nominations for nominating committee. It's a whole lot of verbs floating around in that sentence. But here's the idea, all right? You have my word as a fellow believer and as your pastor. I will never beg you To experience the joy of serving God in His house. I will not beg you to do that. I will not, to the best of my ability, manipulate you into making a decision that you have no intention of ever fulfilling. Or one that you feel obligated only to me to fulfill. Here's why. I've done that before. And it stinks. So I invite you to consider this as we enter into this awkward season of call blocking. When you make a vow to serve God, to commit to God, would you let it come from your heart and stand beside it? Stand with it. I really feel like And and I've had this conversation many times. Pastor, I'm sorry, but I really feel like God's speaking to me. And I'm like, yeah, you need to apologize for that. Because what I really look for here, folks, in all sincerity is this. Wouldn't it be great if God spoke to you? And He spoke into your life. And He told you exactly what gifts He's given you and how that fits within His church. And He's told you exactly what you need to forsake in order to prioritize Him more. That's what we're looking for. So when you make a vow to God, make sure that you're ready to fulfill that quickly, but also sincerely as you come into the house of worship. And what this does, how does this tie to worship? This frees us up where we can stand together today and say this, I'm not worried about God convicting me of a promise that I made that I didn't fulfill. No, 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 no. I've got freedom in this worship service. To say I know that God, I have laid it at your feet with all of my heart. And I have fulfilled those promises with your help that I've made to you. Verse 6, he tells us this. Verse 6, let not your mouth (laughs) lead you into sin. There's some risk here of taking this verse out of context, all right? Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? What's he talking about there? He's talking very specifically about intentionality. Do not make vows to God that you didn't mean to make. Oh, God, I didn't mean to say I would give that up. No. No, really. Hey, listen. If you are wrestling with sin this morning and the Holy Spirit reveals to you that that sin is keeping you from God, can I invite you to relinquish that, to let go of that, to forsake it, to crucify it? We use a lot of verbs there. So here's what I would invite you to do, though. Be intentional in it. I'm going to obey God. Here I go. Now, with all my heart, and I'm going to be intentional I'm going to be intentional to keep my word with his strength, his power living inside of me. Now, with this, we understand that it paints a picture for us of how to enter into the presence of God. Not so, and listen, you say, well, I can't go to that church anymore. They've got all these rules about what you got to do before you come into worship. No, no, no. We welcome, we welcome people To come into this place physically and be present. What I want to challenge you today from the Scripture Church family is this. I say to the Christian among us, would you be considerate that as we enter into the house of God, that this is His dwelling and He's about to speak up in friendship. That He's about to move among Friendship Baptist Church. That He is about to change our course completely for His good, for His glory, for all of eternity. That's what's coming when we meet together. That's what... You and I should expect. Because it is the word of God. said, so, Well we got all that other stuff to do. No, no 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 no. You've got to help me. There is no other stuff. That we need to do. Other than to sense God being close to us. Be aware of how he's speaking to us. And then listen and respond in obedience. That's it. That's it. Now. How do we do this. I want to give you something that would be very quickly, and we'll put this on Facebook so I don't, have to, I don't have to trudge through all of this, but let me hit this quickly. And you check it out on our social media site or right, on Facebook if you have that. If you don't have that and you come up to me and say, can I get a copy of that? I'd love to share this with you, all right? Moving forward, he said, it's the summer, Brother Casey. Really, yes, it is. It's the summer. So here's what we would say, help in prepping your home your family for worship here we go i'll spell that as prep p-r-e-p all right how do we prep for worship something like this one passion And we answer this question what would keep me from meeting with god this is a question that would be great on saturday night many of you of an older generation would say hey we never asked that growing up but can i tell you i never had the i was never invited to ask this question But those of you from a younger generation, I would recognize with you, you do need to have perhaps even a a verbal conversation with your family. Are we going to church tomorrow? All right? And you say, well, no. Brother Casey, sometimes we can't because other things have come up. All right? So in prepping, I would invite you to control the parts of your calendar that you can control. And you say, well, you know, work schedule is just I'm in this rotation. i got to be there for a little while. I understand that. I hope that you won't stay there forever, but I understand that. We say, well, there's this this tournament's coming up. Well, they've rescheduled practice, and I get that. Can I say that to you? But when I talk to you, what I invite you to do is on Saturday night, identify as a family and say, hey, here's our intention. Our passion is we're going to be in the house of the Lord because that's where God wants to meet with us and speak to us. And if we can be there We're going to be there, all right? You say, well, well, Pastor, uh, well, sometimes we take vacation, and I'm sorry. Don't apologize. I'm going to take vacation, all right? I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to take the rest of July and August off. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And you see, that would be unhealthy for me, right? But we invite you, and we say, identify the passion among your family and say, hey, this is a priority for us. This is something we want to do. We have a desire to hear from God and meet with God. So are we going and then make that declaration? We're going in the morning. There's nothing else that's going to keep us from it. We're going in the morning, all right? Once you do that, by the way, can I say this to you? Here he comes. Yeah. As soon as you make a declaration on Saturday night, that you're going to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping together, all sitting on the same pew together, smiling, singing, all dressed clean, all that stuff. Here he comes. And Satan will attempt to mess you up. You ever been there? I'm there right now. All right. R, then, is resolution. What can I do to prepare for obstacles? Very practical stuff I want you to consider. One, clothes. All right? Do that Saturday night. Do that Saturday night right? Lay out the clothes, iron the clothes, clean the clothes, whatever you got to do. Never, can you help me, never wake up on Sunday morning and say, I was going, I was all prepared, my favorite shirt was dirty, all right? Wear your second favorite shirt, we'd love to have you, we accept all kinds, all right? But look at that planning with your clothes, with your breakfast, all right? My house sometimes, we have somebody that wakes up on Sunday morning and (laughs) ask, I wanted my cereal. We're out of my cereal. I'm about to go up to Walmart and get some more of my cereal. And, and Tina will say, say, you're a grown man. True story. Make plans for breakfast. What are we doing? How are we doing it? When are we doing it? Is everybody on their own? Right? But can I tell you this, and it's a very real principle. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your mind. Very real principle. You need to eat some breakfast before you come up in here. Because we anticipate when the Lord begins to speak, I will not call time. That'll be His call. When the Lord begins to move among us, and say, oh, I got to go. And it will play a very real part in your worship service when your stomach begins to churn then there's going to be that mental reaction that we have of lunchtime, right prepare yourself see is this vehicles all right what we struggle with our house is this every vehicle i mean all through the week gas all over by all the vehicles right sunday morning fumes i mean both fumes you know it's like we're late we got to go we got to get some yeah we got some get some yeah i don't know and hey and listen what does satan do with that it's your fault y'all never do that y'all tina look around y'all don't do that where y'all fight in the vehicle on the way to church because y'all didn't prepare the night before y'all never do that mm, just me and tina d bedtimes can I touch on this? Because I've had this and Brother Porchop, I don't want to sip, in, sip on, uh, on your territory too much. But let me say this. As a former youth minister, the reason that your teenage son is bored and tired throughout worship service is because he's been playing PlayStation all night. And that's not his fault. Yeah. You want to go to bed and sleep. And rest as best you possibly can. And then you want to get up on time and get here. Yeah? And so, now, lunch, Father's Day, your teenagers can talk to you about finding another church. Be cool. That's fine with me. Let me tell you this, all right? What you do the night before worship will impact how you enter into worship. I know it firsthand. It happens to me. It happens to me. Right. I just want to watch, just wanna finish this season, right? This season on Netflix. Just this one more season. Can I tell you? All right. Great. E, alarm or alarms, right? For me personally I have three. All right. One, I have a puppy. All right. He woke me up this morning. That's alarm number one. Right? Came in, I went back to sleep. So I have alarm number two that goes off. And I hit snooze on that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I have alarm number three. And when you hear alarm number three, it's time to get up. So that's a stupid process. It's my process. It doesn't have to be yours. And I tell you if you're sleeping through your alarm, the best way to sleep through your alarm is to set two more. hmm Yeah. Just start the first one earlier. All right? E is for expectation. All right, let me pick this up. How can I focus my heart on God? Can I tell you on Sunday morning, specifically Sunday morning, let's talk about this. When you're getting ready, we're used to our family having background noise. Be careful what your television's on. Be careful that your television doesn't stir your heart away from God or lead you in any way to not think about God. You say, you're saying we shouldn't have a television? No, I got three, all right? So we got televisions at our house, but we control how we use them, especially on Sunday morning. So I want to be intentional on in that. I invite you to be intentional on in that. What do I watch on Sunday morning? What am I filling my heart and my mind with on Sunday morning as far as what I'm seeing? B is music, and I invite you, you know, consider this. If you don't listen to Christian music in any kind of way, maybe try it on Sunday morning. Just on the way in, all right? Just on the way in, if you want to do that, that might help. See scripture. You don't need to preach before you go. You say, I get enough scripture when I get there. Listen, dads, one way that you can be dad there is maybe you gather the family up and say, hey, we got a calendar verse of the day. I'm going to read this verse as we prepare our hearts as we're getting in the vehicle to go. Maybe on the way to church, you got 30 seconds in the vehicle, and you say, let's talk about Scripture. Let me just read the Scripture just to prepare our hearts as we enter in. And then also D is interaction. Who do you talk to? So I'm going to say this. It's going to be weird. you ready? You might need to avoid some people before worship. I don't know. I don't know, and I would never tell you that I avoid people before worship, but you might need to avoid people before worship because maybe not everybody is coming with a seeking after God mindset. And so I invite you as you walk in, if you need to come into this sanctuary, find you a place to sit down, and just you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to have an awkward conversation. I'm just not going to be worried with that. But I, just this morning, I'm going to focus on God and being in His presence. Now, after the service, we're going to catch up, all right? We're going to have those awkward conversations, whatever needs to take place. We're going to be friendly, love on each other. But maybe as we enter in, before we start our worship service, consider this, is there interaction that you need to be aware of? P then is this, participation. How can I be involved in worship? And can I tell you this? If you're there, you run the risk of being a spectator. And spectators over time become overly critical of things they have no involvement in. When you're up here, and you stand up here, and I don't know your talent. You pick this bad boy up, it gets real. Jack, it gets real right here, doesn't it? Because what we understand here is this. Worship is not a spectator sport where we are invited to come into the presence of God and watch Him interact with others. No, 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 we got something special for you. We've got an invitation for you right there where you are. You don't have to come up on this stage. God wants to meet with you. So as you come in, you are the one. You are the one that mentally engages. You are the one who opens up your mouth and decides how your heart is expressed through your mouth. You are the one who responds. And you say, well, I don't know about friendship. And I'm getting some of this, so let me address it. Sometimes in friendship, I want to do this. But I see everybody else doing this, so I end up doing this. All right? This is okay. A little weird, but this is okay. But if you have a a heart that's pulling out of you, and God's pulling out of your heart just to worship Him, can I tell you that I'm okay with this right here? If you're doing it for the glory of the Lord, that I'm okay with this? And I say, praise Jesus for this. You say, well, now He wants us all to do touchdowns. No, 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 no. No, I'm asking you to have freedom to meet with God. Would you prepare your hearts for God Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we come to you, a lot of things we cover today, and Lord, it's uh, uh, it's your word that we want to hear. We want to hear, I hope today, biblical principles, but also practical ways that we can apply it. Lord, thank you for what your word says. And Lord, we recognize this idea that you want to meet with us. You love us and you pursue us And Lord, what the Scripture indicates is that we are not by birth deserving of your love. Lord, we are by birth sinners and have this sin habit. And Lord, what the Word tells us is this. Every believer in here has been spiritually adopted. That means that you came and you found us when we were unworthy. And you, as a loving Father, you spoke and you said, I want you to be part of my family. You invite us through adoption to be your children. And then you don't treat us like illegitimate children, but no, God, you pour out your good love upon us. You pour out your goodness upon us in such a way where we sense the love of a father, the love of one who comes to us and says, I wanted to be close to you. I desire to be closer to you. I want to give you guidance for your life. I want to give you provision in ways that no other being, not even yourself, can give provision. So God, thank you so much that you have invited us to be a part of your family and to gather in your presence today so that we can be changed in a way that would honor and glorify you and just give you praise. And we just want to love on you this morning, God. Thank you so much for this opportunity for our spirits to unite with your spirit. And see things we pray in your holy name.